And now. And now. It's time for another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We talk hard-hitting sports and bone-crunching metal. Sports and Metal. Because sports and metal go better together. Now here's your host, Jason Voorhees. And Aaron Savage. Oh, yeah! Hey, I'm Kevin. Hey, I'm Johnny E. Tune into our radio show, Philly Rock Live. We play the classic hard rock and metal from the 70s and 80s we grew up on. We play the new music those same bands are making today. And we play new music from around the world. Not to mention the great bands from our own local scene. You will not hear a mix of music like this anywhere else. If it kicks ass, we, we play, play it. Philly Rock Live. Thursday, 7 and 9 p.m. Philly time. On phillyrockradio.com. Listen online with your mobile device or even your smart speaker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We are your hosts, as always. This is Aaron Savage with me right over there, my partner in crime, Mr. Jason Voorhees. And it is Super Bowl weekend. And I know my partner here, Jason, is super pumped. He's got two more sleeps until the big day, the Super Bowl. His Eagles, his Philadelphia Eagles, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in a battle of juggernaut squads. The Kelsey brothers, the MVP candidates that Mahomes ended up winning that one. But a lot of subplots here. It's going to be an awesome game. Let's get to it. How are you, Jay? Dude, I I can't. You talk about two sleeps. I haven't slept in three days already. Like, I'm so amped up. Like, I remember in 2017, I had the same feeling. So, it's like, I don't know how to explain it. I I hope you get to experience it soon. I really do. It's not I'm not taking a shot at you. I, I really wish you no, would. It's an amazing feeling. Like, dude, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's insane how the mood of an entire city can change when your sports team is doing well. Like, everybody's happy. People that are miserable are, like, slapping five and, you know, raising the roof. It's just insane to me to, to, to see it. And, yeah, I'm great. So... I know we got a long show planned out, so. Yeah, well, before we get into it, we got to give a shout out to our sponsors. As always, our oldest sponsor right here, La Terrain Watches. Make sure you visit their website, www.laterrain.com. That's www.la-t-o-u-r-a-i-n-e.com. You're going to want to use our promo code SNM. That's the letters SNM as in sports and metal, and you're going to save 10% off your purchase at checkout. La Terrain watches, beautiful handcrafted watches at an affordable price. Check them out. And our other sponsor we got to give a shout out to here is BetUS.com. Uh, make sure you use our affiliate link and you're going to save, you're going to get a $100 match on your first, 125% match on your first $100 deposit. So BetUS.com, use our affiliate link. It's bit.ly forward slash sports and metal for a 125% bonus on your first $100 deposit. So without further ado, Jay, let's get into it. Uh, we didn't do a show last week, so let's backtrack a little bit. How how did we get here? Dude, I mean, I was super pumped for that NFC Championship game. It ended up just being total anti-climax. Like within five minutes, done. Party's out. It ended up being just a blowout. So I know you were psyched and hyped. But as a football fan, I was disappointed. I, I feel terrible for Brock Purdy. Um, 
the Niners deserved better. And I'm not saying they would have won the game. I think it would, I just think it would have been a great game. It would have been a competitive game. And on the other side, we have the Chiefs. Um, Mahomes got his revenge against those Bengals. He was 0 3 against the Bengals. You know, he had the ankle injury the week prior. So everybody was worried. He stepped up and he showed why he is the MVP. Let's be honest. He did. Um, so here we are, dude. So what are your thoughts on the game? Obviously, you're an Eagles fan, so I expect, oh, Eagles 38-10. See, and this is Jalen where – is going to score four touchdowns on the ground and throw for three more. I get I it. I sometimes it. feel like you can't read the room, Aaron, when it comes to me. I know. You're breaking balls. balls. You know I'm breaking your steps. Because, <laughs> honestly, I, I really am not feeling that. Like, I know a lot of – actually, a lot of fans in the city are, are, are feeling a – I don't want to say a blowout, but – I see a lot of people predicting, oh, it's going to be easy. It's going to be a double-digit win. Dude, trust me. I feel like this game is going to be everything like the 2017 game where I was on the edge of my seat to the for the entire game. I mean, listen, that, that game came down to the last play when Tom Brady threw that ball and, you know, Gronkowski, you know, was in the area, didn't catch it, we won. But I don't see this game being any different – as much as I do believe that the Eagles roster from top to bottom is better than the Chiefs, I still look at the Chiefs and I say they have Pat Mahomes and they have Travis Kelsey, who, by the way, to me, is the most scary guy for me on that team. Yeah. Pat Mahomes is scary, but Travis Kelsey, if he has one of those games, he's that kind of game that's like – I mean, he's that kind of player that's like a game changer. So – uh, if you're asking me how I'm feeling, I, I mean, obviously I'm confident because I've seen, I've watched this team, Aaron, and, you know, I, I could easily fall into that Negadelphia trap because I've done it years and years past where, you know, we always wait for the shoe to drop. But listen, man, this team is really, really good. Right? And, 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 and while I'm not really upset, I know a lot of people are like upset because we didn't win any awards. And, and listen, I think maybe we could have won one or two, but I don't really care about awards. I care about a ring. And the bottom line is this team has a legitimate shot. And for two days from now, obviously it's going to be set on the field, but I have a great feeling about it. I, I do think the Eagles are going to win the game. I really do. I, I'm not just being a homer. I, I really just believe that the Eagles, I, I think they're set up to, you know, play. They, they fit, they match up very well against the chiefs. And the reason I think that they do our defense is an upper echelon defense. I mean, we talked about the Niners, how good their defense was. The Eagles' defense was just as good. And no question. I look at football, and I really look at when it comes to playoff football, to me, the most important battles are in the trenches. And I think the Eagles are far superior in those two categories. I really do. So that's why I think the Eagles are going to win the game. Um, I'm not predicting a blowout. I. I mean, I could give you my score right now, the way I think it's going to pan out. I, mean, I think it's going to be a back-and-forth game. I, I really do. Like, I remember the game, uh, I believe it was last year, with Josh Allen and uh, Pat Mahomes when they were going back and forth. I, I, I feel like it's going to be something similar to that. I think it's going to start out slow early. I think they're going to try to kind of see see each other out, feel each other out, see where they're at. But – I, I, I firmly believe that it's going to be a knockdown, drag-out fight. I actually believe the Eagles are going to be losing in the fourth quarter, and I think they're going to come back. And I, I think the final score is going to be 35-31. I, I really do. I, I, I just I, 
Listen, I respect Pat Mahomes, and it's easy to sit here and get in this trap where a lot of people are and saying, oh, well, look what Pat Mahomes did a couple of years ago against the Buccaneers when they, you know, they annihilated him with the pass rush. I mean, is there a world where I could see that happening? Absolutely. But there's also a world where I could see that the, the Chiefs, you know, beating the Eagles if the Eagles beat themselves. I think it comes down to turnovers, and it always does. Jalen Hurts has been the best quarterback this season at as far as not turning the ball over. And the fact remains is Jalen Hurts still has that extra added weapon of his legs. And I think it's really cool that we're actually getting to finally see, like, you know, a Super Bowl with, like, you know, kind of, in a way, it's like almost the changing of the guard. You have, Pat, you know, Tom Brady retired. You have Pat Mahomes who's basically taken over that mantle. And he's, he won the MVP against, you know, obviously Jalen Hurts was in that conversation, but he didn't win the MVP. But they're going at it together in the Super Bowl. And I just think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and, they're, and they're really indicative of the modern quarterback. You know, the more mobile quarterback running. Not that Pat Mahomes runs nearly as much as some of these other guys, but he is very mobile. And he just invents stuff as he goes. But now, see, my take of the game. So what's your final score? Did you give, I you said 35-31. Okay, so I have a little different take on it. I do think the Eagles are going to win this game. That being said, I don't have the same take as you. I think that if the Eagles are down in the fourth quarter, they're not winning that game. I, that's where I disagree with you. The Eagles' key to victory is running the ball. And if the Eagles are trailing, they're not going to be able to run the ball. And the Eagles are not going to win that football game. So I have a totally different perspective on this game than you do, Jay. I think it's going to be a knockdown, drag-out fight. But I think the Eagles are going to make a concerted effort to dominate the clock. The key to the Eagles winning this game is keeping the ball out of Pat Mahomes' hands and obviously out of Travis Kelsey's hands. And the only way they're going to do that is to run the ball. I think you're going to see a real replay of what you saw last week, uh, or two weeks ago, I should say, when you had big games from Kenneth Gainwell, big game from Miles um, Sanders. Um, I, I, Jalen Hurts, you know, there are going to be some design runs. The Eagles are going to run the ball. I don't expect to give a big game from your wide receivers. I think if you're going to have a big game for one of your receivers, believe it or not, I think it's going to be Devontae Smith. He's really come of late on – he's come on strong the second half of the season where I, I hate – you know I hate labels. You know, I, I hate wide receiver. When you have teams like the Dolphins or the Eagles or some other teams in this league, there is no wide receiver one. You have two wide receiver ones. So I hate that. And I think the Eagles are a prime example of that. And if you were going to, like, have to – you know, label these guys. I think right now, if I'm picking my wide receiver one on the Eagles, to me, it's Devontae Smith. You know, he's become not only a possession receiver, but a big a home run hitter. And he's been a lot more consistent than A.J. Brown in the stretch run. That's taking nothing away from A.J. Brown. I just think right now it's Devontae's time. I think if you're going to get a big game for one of your receivers, it's going to be Devontae Smith. My over-under for catches for Devontae Smith is eight. I think he. I think Devontae Smith has over eight catches. I think he's your big guy in the receiving game. I think Dallas Godert plays big here. I'm not expecting a big game from from AJ Brown for whatever reason. I just have this gut feeling, but I, I'm expecting big games from the guys on the ground. Um, I, I I think the score is going to be kind of similar to what you're saying. I'm thinking maybe something like 30 to 27, maybe a little bit less scoring, just because I think the Eagles are going to dominate the clock on the ground and run a lot of clock down. But if if it doesn't go that way. The Eagles do not win this game, and I don't think they have a chance. And I think another thing that kind of works toward the Eagles winning this game along the lines of what I said is that pass rush. 
I think if Pat Mahomes' ankle is not 100%, it's a recipe. Not necessarily for disaster because he's Pat Mahomes. You know, he, he figures it out. But for any other guy, disaster. <laughs> but certainly I mean, not a good recipe. You know? No, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I, I think you, you're spot on with your assessment. I'm actually proud of you, like, being an outsider because it's good to hear – an outside perspective. Well, that's the thing. So I think sometimes you got to hear it from somebody else when you're like wrapped in this bubble. I got it, but I, <laughs> I will at say, it in a vacuum, you know I will I mean? say to your point, it, it, it would be cool because if Devonta Smith does have the big game and they win the Super Bowl, he will be only the fourth player in history to win a Heisman Trophy, an NCAA championship, and a Super Bowl. That is there's amazing. Only yeah. three, there's only been three players that have done it. He'll be the fourth, which yeah. that's pretty insane. That's in the amount fantastic. of time that all of those awards have had, yeah, a whirlwind, like a four-year whirlwind, like doing that. It's exactly. really amazing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm psyched. I know you are. I think, I mean, listen, everyone's going to be watching. Um, you know, everything's buzzing, and uh, we'll see what happens, man. <laughs> we got a commenter here from Libby. Hey guys, Eagles and my Chiefs Sunday, thirty-five twenty-four. I guess that means she's picking the Chiefs. Thank you for commenting. But yeah, let's let's talk about something else here. We were uh, going to get into the awards. So obviously we talked about uh, Patrick Mahomes was the league MVP. I think none of us were shocked. Like I, I really thought at one point, I talked about it on prior episodes. I thought at one point it became Jalen Hurts' award to lose. And he, and he did. And it's not necessarily through any fault of his own. The injury was the cause. You know, he didn't play those couple of weeks. I think that solidified it. And Listen, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, on paper, had as good of a season he's ever had statistically. The touchdowns weren't as career high, but they were close. But, I mean, he had career high in yards, passing yards, overall yards. Uh, and he lost his biggest weapon in Tyree Kill, so that's saying something. Here we go. We got Libby again commenting here. Travis is too good. Eagles are going to win. I don't think two great teams is too good. Okay, okay. Anyway, but yeah, so Patrick Mahomes, he was the MVP. Um, Coach of the year was Brian Dayball. I know a lot of people in the Eagles circle were a little bit pissed, but I was oh, saying that I called that weeks ago. Brian Dayball and the Giants. I mean, I think he, if there was ever a coach that deserved the Coach of the Year award, 100% it was Brian Dayball. I mean, dude, the Giants, look, I'm in the New York media market, so you're not around that every day. You're not listening to New York sports radio. The Giants in their own town, people were expecting this to be a four-win team, Jay. This team was expected to go nowhere. And then when they got that big win in opening week against the Titans, you remember that? Everybody's like, well, you know, they got an easy schedule the next couple of weeks. Maybe they get off to a good start and they're 2-0 and or they're 3-0. and And then, they, you know, they're restart, it would just be something to get the fan base excited. And let's uh, preface this. I'm a Dolphins fan. I'm not a Giants fan. So I'm not, you know, I, I got to say that. Because I'm being honest here. You know, what the Giants did was impressive with name a team that came into a season with lower expectations and zero wide receivers worth noting and and not only made the playoffs but advanced around in the playoffs i mean with listen, a rookie coach with a rookie coach you're talking to an eagles fan here that happens to not be upset about this I, okay I, no i get I, it but, i mean the guy deserves it, it. I'm going to tell you why I agree mostly. I agree, A, I think he did a superior job in what he did turning that team around. Because as you mentioned, they didn't have anybody. And on, on the opposite spectrum, 
the Eagles, we talk about it. I mean, I say it all the time, and I think everybody is finally agreeing. The Eagles' talent level is insane. What they were able to do on the Jalen Hurts rookie contract was go out and get studs at every level. I mean, they brought in James Bradbury from the Giants. They brought in Hassan Reddick, who was probably the best free agent signing this season in the NFL, dude. I mean, 16 sacks, five forced fumbles. Talk about a guy that I think got robbed. He's the one that I really think deserved defensive player of the year. Only because the Eagles were six, they had the best record, and it, it is frustrating that we didn't win one of the awards. Listen, I didn't. If there was an award we gave, it would probably be that one. But no. my point is, is I agree about Dable, and I, and I think that you could say yes, Sirianni did an awesome job, but he also had a ton of tools in his tool shed. So I, I mean, you got to look at that. It has to count for well, that, something. And that's you nailed it. You nailed it. Brian Dable was working with nothing. He has one superstar player, Saquon Barkley who basically was coming back from a serious injury and rediscovered himself under Brian Dayball this year. And he had a solid middle-of-the-road quarterback who nobody believed was the future with no wide receivers to speak of, with a team with zero expectations. And he's a rookie coach. I mean, that says a lot. That speaks volumes. Congrats to him. He well-deserved it. And while we're talking about New York football teams, we'll talk about one that I hate, the Jets. How about the Jets having the offensive Rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. And Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. That's well, impressive. Well, this and, it, has some, and I'll tell you, another guy that would have been in the conversation was Brees Hall. If he didn't get I was just, yeah, you just stole my thought. I, that's where I was going with that. Yeah. I, I mean, so they really, they really nailed their draft pick. So it is good to see because I listen, the Jets are like one of the doormats. And I don't have any animosity against the Jets because it's like, it's almost like I feel like I kind of feel bad because they're always irrelevant. I'd like to see the Jets be good for once. I mean, I really would, but I know they're in your Dolphins uh, division, but uh, it's an easy uh, win for you guys pretty much every year. But hopefully, like I said, I still think it just shows you the importance of quarterback because they had all those offensive rookies and they still they had an okay season. Well, but they I, mean, this, I hate the Jets, but the Jets are, are a solid quarterback away, away from a scary football team. I agree. And, and that being said, Zach Wilson, what a terrible, terrible draft pick. <laughs> oh, my God. And just everything about it. I mean, the performance on the field, the way he handled himself in press conferences when he was benched. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's an embarrassment it to the organization. It shows you that – it shows you how the league has morphed into this league that's chasing the next quarterback. And it's just such an another example of a guy that's drafted so high that doesn't pan out. I mean, you look at all these, a lot of these top-rated quarterbacks don't pan out. I mean, it is a crapshoot. You, you look at a guy, we talked about Brock Purdy, like a seventh-round pick, a guy that succeeded. Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick. Like, these are guys that are, like, doing really well, and they weren't drafted high. And then you have other guys that get drafted, like a Zach Wilson, I mean, you could go down the list every single year of guys that get drafted high and suck. So I just think that it shows you that maybe the league's starting to catch on, that you don't have to just go up and get that top-rated quarterback. Sometimes it's about kind of finding that hidden gem in the draft, and maybe you get him in the second round, and he becomes better. I mean, yeah, it took Jalen Hurts a little bit of time, but, I mean, we saw what he did this year and only his second year starting. I can only imagine what he's going to do next year with growth after doing what he's done this season, going on a playoff run. And, you know, like I said, the players that he had, but the one thing that many people don't look at is that rookie quarterback deal. 
because look what happened to the Chiefs. Now, obviously, that's a bad example because they're in the Super Bowl, but they had to sign Mahomes to that big deal. That's why they had to get rid of Tyree Kill. So they weren't able to kind of have that, you know, every single level star talent because they had to cut some ties and go with some lesser lesser money guys. Yeah, I think they could have retained Tyree Kill, but they weren't going to go as big as he wanted, you know. Fair enough, but my point is that it does strap you. It does make yeah, it hands, harder. Hands. Absolutely, <laughs> especially in the NFL with the salary cap, without question. It's not like my my Mets with Steve Cohen. <laughs> yeah, with Steinbrenner Jr. Uh, or the third. Oh my goodness, it's gotten out of control. I'm loving it though. All right, but let, let's let's move on. Let's talk a little more NFL. It's been a big week in the NFL. Yes. We also had the Hall of Fame inductees were announced, and you know, as a Dolphin fan, I'm super pumped. Zach Thomas is finally in. Uh, other inductees included Rondé Barber, Darrell Revis. Um, What's his face from the from Denver? Um, Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis. What are your thoughts, man? What are your thoughts on the Hall of Fame inductees this year? I mean, I think they all deserved it. I, 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 you know, we talk about Hall of Fame, and we. I feel, it feels like we're talking about Hall of Fame every single week. <laughs> we like we baseball. talk about Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We had the yeah, Baseball yeah, Hall of Fame, yeah, you're right. and now you know football, but. You know, we we could do a whole show on our thoughts about the Hall of Fames and how they've become watered down. But, like, I mean, first and foremost, I think out of that whole list, the guy that was most deserved is Zach Thomas. I mean, uh, it, it was such a ridiculous I, snub for so long. I can't believe that he wasn't in when, when, when I found out he wasn't in because I, I could have swore he was in. Well, as Dolphins yeah. fans, we knew because every year, like the last four or five years, you're like, every year he's going in and it's like, like he just doesn't barely misses. Uh, he actually had a cool video he put out today for the Dolphins fans. He's like, I finally made it. You can stop with your gripes. I'm in. But he's a really cool guy. But I'll tell you, one pick that I think is a little more controversial than you're than you're making it sound. Maybe, maybe it's just me, but Terrell Davis. I know so, we won two Super Bowls. He had four great years, two of which were like monster all-time years. I get it. But Four years. I mean, after that, dude, he had like 240 yards, and he had like 400 yards, then he had I, like 500 yards, and then he retired. He had four I years. In, I know, but I, but I think in football, you have to look at that like the I, lifespan I of a the lifespan of a running back, and and, and the dominance. In it, it's not like baseball where you would say, okay, maybe a guy had eight years of of like dominance. Well, that's not necessarily guy. true because Sandy Koufax is in, and he he was kind of a comparable player that had like a short I'm just period saying of that I've seen it happen and I think what what tips the scale in, in my opinion is the Super Bowl wins and I know it's a team sport but you have to you have to attribute that because he was a big part of those Super Bowl uh, 100%. wins 100% I just I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm right here it's just something that to me that's worth discussion Oh I mean, it's a great I mean, it's, listen, really, it's a great debate it's a really I don't know, know that I've ever seen such a small sample granted a great small sample but a small sample dude look at the career stats if he, he really two monster years and four full years. If he was a quarterback or he was a wide receiver or he was something other position, I don't think he would have got in. I think it does have to do with look at the like I talked about it. The lifespan of a running back is short. I mean, look at even running backs now that were good for a couple of years. Oh, like, I think of a guy like Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is twenty eight. He's only twenty eight, yeah. and he's but I, I would say he's done. But you have obviously he's not Terrell Davis. I get it, but no way that guy's a Hall of Famer, right? 
That's no. what I'm saying. Like Terrell Davis, granted, he might be the guy that transcends because he was that good for that period. But I mean, you think of all these guys, you're right. You have these guys every year in the NFL, like a year or two later, like Todd Gurley comes to mind. You're like, what happened to these guys? They no. just like they just vanish. Would Todd but Gurley be a Hall of Fame? Fame. Absolutely not. Yeah, they're not going to the Hall of Fame. That's what I'm saying. It's it's worth discussing. And look, I'm not, I'm gonna sound like a homer here because I'm a Dolphins fan, but it's not my intention. It's just a great guy to bring up for comparative purposes. A guy that's not in the Hall of Fame, and obviously, right off the bat, we're going to say, "Oh, well, he decided to smoke pot. That's why he's not in." Again, but dude, think about it. It's a very, it's a good point to make. Ricky Williams is one of a handful of running backs that has ten thousand career rushing yards. Ricky Williams, that's a magic number in the NFL. That's like three hundred wins in baseball, right? Ten thousand rushing yards. Ricky Williams deserves to be in the Hall. I'm just saying, but it's like I don't even think there's conversation about it now because of like what he did and when he. I'm just saying, like it's it's definitely worth a conversation here. There's it's not like he did steroids, right? And let's be honest, in the NFL, they don't even. That's another crazy thing when you think about it. M MLB blackballs their greatest players for steroid use, right? It's even guys that never failed a test, like Barry Bonds, blackballs these guys aren't. All, whereas the NFL celebrates you. I almost, I, I, I dude, think about it. Is is getting a positive steroid test going to keep any NFL player out of the Hall of Fame? They're huh. just things I'm thinking about. Is a positive steroid test ever going to keep an NFL player out of the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. No, and that's why <laughs> we talk about the it, – it's just so asinine, the differences. Yeah, but that, the but let's not get lost sight of the conversation. But that goes back to Ricky Williams. He never tested positive for steroids. He smoked pot. And he was a really intelligent guy that wanted to travel the world and, and you know, experience life because he was so beat up from football. Let's be honest. He's probably the greatest college football player of all time. Many people say that. And he was great in the NFL, and then he just retired after his best year. And then he missed basically three, four years of his prime. Came back. He has like he has like a ten year gap between thousand yard seasons, which is unheard of in the NFL. And he has ten thousand career rushing yards, and he missed multiple years in his prime, and he still put those numbers up. But and there's not even a conversation. I just find the hypocrisy insane. Steroid guys get in. Guys that like um, carried guns and clubs. I don't want to call Ray Lewis out, but he, I think Ray Lewis witnessed something at the very least. He's in the Hall of Fame. Ricky Williams, nah, forget it. I don't know. I'm off on a tangent, but Terrell well, Davis once, got me thinking about it. Well, Terrell Davis again, got me thinking about it. He didn't have a. Again. I'm not saying he's not a Hall of Famer. He might. I just think it's debatable. Like I, Terrell Davis, I, I wouldn't have like jumped out if he if he played a couple more years. It would have been no brain to me. But I just it didn't jump out to me that hey this guy's a Hall of Famer, but other guys I don't know. You I made my point. <laughs> I mean I think out of the whole list he's probably as as you mentioned the most questionable. I mean Darrell Revis to me was at, during his oh, in his prime. I mean, Revis Island he was the best. They coined a part of the field for him. Yeah, they coined so, a part of the field as his, his Revis. Yeah, I mean, I can't can't argue him, and and like you said, Zach Thomas. We already talked about that. He deserved it years ago. Look, I said, I mean, you could debate anybody. Certain guys are obvious they deserve, but I I'm not saying I'm right or wrong with Terrell Davis. I just thought it's it brings up an interesting conversation. I mean, it's something we could look at again, and it brings up an interesting the, conversation about a lot of things, like the steroids, the the marijuana, Ricky Williams. I mean, I don't know. Just I don't know. Got me thinking. That's all. It's okay. Let's move on, brother. I like Ricky Williams. Even though we booed, even though Eagles fans wanted him, you know that, right? That's well, you know, um, he was a Phillies minor league player, and the Eagles wanted him. Remember, they booed Donovan McNabb because yeah. we they went to the state to the draft, and they actually booed when the pick yeah. went. 
I remember. And uh, I, I, I'm just saying, it would have been really cool because he played in the Phillies minor, minor league organization. Yeah, to play for the Eagles, it would have been cool, yes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so let's talk. This is not new current news, but it's week and a half old. Ozzy and Tom Brady retire. Two legends. Uh, I figure we'll at least mention it. Dude, an interesting thing I saw today about Tom Brady. Tom Brady is going to make more money <coughs> in his 10-year broadcasting contract that he signed. And he played his whole NFL career. Was that with CBS, that contract? Right? It is. I believe so. Then he made it his whole NFL career in 23 years. Isn't that, that is insane. Now, I will say, I think he left a lot of money on the table because he did those team-friendly deals so that the Patriots could compete. Yeah. That's, a new, that's, been, that's been documented. Um, but you're right. It's still insane. But that just shows you the – that just shows you the, the craziness of, of, of broadcasting, what they pay these guys. And I speaking mean, of which, Romo. Tony Romo set the bar, right, for a guy that was a former player. And let's be honest, I was, was the first one. I talked about it on this podcast before. I loved Tony Romo. He was awesome. But did he deserve that kind of contract over guys that went to broadcasting school and made this their career and had decades in the business? I don't know. Like I, I know he pissed a lot of people in, in the industry off. That, that I, actually that have a, I have a feeling that, that Tom Brady's going to be awesome. I just do. It might be, but let's, let, let me go back to this really quick. You, have you heard that uh, recently CBS did an intervention with Tony Romo because his broadcasting is so bad? It was terrible. <laughs> because I, I think what it was is he kept – he makes, like, big deals about things, and he keeps harping on it. Like, it's like, dude, you don't have to keep – Making a when, he, deal, when, right? he, when he when he first started, it was yeah, refreshing. It was well, hear me out. When when he first started, we all loved it. It was refreshing. He was offering us a perspective that we hadn't necessarily heard. Yeah. Remember, and it was he, like he was predicting plays before they unfold. That's why the NFL, to me, is being hypocritical because they told him to back off on that. They stepped in. They the NFL told him we don't want you doing that. So that's why it went away because they didn't want him scripting it because they didn't want him pick you know. They didn't want fans to kind of get an inside look. See, I didn't hear that. And then you might be right. I my, did hear my it. Thought I heard it on this. My thought was what I was going to say is this. And I, I never heard that. And I'm not saying it's not true. I just didn't hear it. But what I was going to say is my thought was that what we liked in the beginning, he started doing it too much and it became old hat. And, and then it became, like you said, harping on it and, and like overdoing it. And it's like what, what was so endearing to him in the first place became the very thing that made you dislike listening to him. That's where I was going with it. And, and, and I know, listen, I don't – I get it that I think every team and, I mean, every fan to a certain extent when they're watching a game is being a homer in their own way because they want of course, to win. But I will say there are some announcers that, that rub me the wrong way because they gush over players to the point where it's almost like a bromance. Like I'll talk, the guy that comes to my mind that I can't stand right now is Chris Collinsworth. He gushes over like a Tom Brady over a Pat Mahomes, like, like as if there's nobody else in the universe besides those two guys playing. He did it in the 2017 Super Bowl. And I was just happy when the Eagles won because I hope he was, you know, feeling rotten at the end of the day because it's just it's so annoying to me. I don't know. Well, if you have, I don't know if you have people like that that are like that, that well, you just annoy the hell out of you. Chris right? Collinsworth is is one of them, and not just for the reasons you said, but his voice just grates on me. <laughs> it's just annoying. Is there anybody else that comes to your mind that annoys you? Like I, I don't know. I'm just asking. It could be a Philly guy. Maybe a Philly guy annoys you. Um, I don't know. 
Honestly, yeah. Is, I mean, I could tell you the worst broadcasting team I've ever heard is John Sterling and uh, Susan Waldman on the Yankees radio broadcasts. Oh, I mean, literally, this is an example of a Yankees radio broadcast. It'll be like this. Oh, and there's a fly ball. That ball is long gone. An A-bomb from A-Rod. Oh, no. No, it was caught on the warning track. It was. It's an out. I, I don't know how I missed that. Well, you know, John. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen in the world. Like, literally, that's like listening to a Yankee game. It's awful. It's Dude, it is. I don't know if you ever saw when years ago when Roger Clemens announced he was coming back and the at Yankee Stadium, they put it on the scoreboard and he said, I'm coming back. And then I remember Susan Waldman goes, Roger Clemens is coming back. It's just something like, this is the greatest moment of my life. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like, what? Oh, my God. Like, I, You'd have to hear it. You have to be there. But yeah, well, I'm gonna listen to it now just to, to to get that perspective. There's some that I can't stand. Yeah, I feel spoiled as a Mets fan. I think the Mets have the best television broadcast team and radio. Because I'll even say something when I listen to the Phillies radio, the amount of dead air makes me want to shoot myself. Like on the Mets radio broadcast, they talk, so like they keep you engaged, right? Like between pitches and between plays. They'll talk about things. They'll bring you to inside, like to what's going on on the field to paint a picture. Whereas, like, even listening to the Phillies broadcast, it's like, and there's a ball, low and away. The batter steps out. It's like, like it's dead air. It's dead air. I like Tom Tom McCarthy, but it's dead air on the radio. They got to, they need more color commentary on the radio. You asked, I answered. (laughs) Well, they had it, Harry Callis. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's get into another guy that retired, Ozzy, the legend. How fitting is it that uh, – well, let's get into it. Ozzy hasn't necessarily retired completely, although, I mean, he if you've seen recent pictures, he's not looking good. But he, he's retired from touring, which I think is long overdue. Um, it's a, it's almost like – it It started feeling to me like Sharon was willing to, like, have him, you know, put out on a stage on strings like a puppet, you know, if he couldn't move just to get him out there to perform. So uh, it's long overdue. Ozzy's retired. And how fitting is it, like you pointed out, he wins a Grammy upon announcing his retirement for a best rock album for a patient number nine. Two Grammys. Yes. So yes. he won best rock album and he was best metal performance for uh degradation rules. So, yep. I mean, it's pretty impressive to, to win. I mean, the Grammys, Grammys aren't my thing, but it's awesome for Ozzy on the way out. I mean, listen, I know they're not your thing, but like we talked about that, how like metal bands kind of like get, screwed in the, in these awards things like it's almost like the metal community doesn't exist and to see the legend get it and then upon retiring like that's just to me that's just like almost like magical i agree i'm happy that he won it because like i said the guy he probably deserved a lot more i mean i think the last grammy he won was in on the no more tears record i'm not even uh, sure i'd have to look into it if I, even, I, yeah. I believe it is and and that's yeah. going back to like 94 so yeah. meanwhile you have saying, mumble rappers that have like 10 grammys <laughs> it's like what, what are we doing I mean, we here? could go what we are could we get doing, into discussions bro? but like great for ozzy i mean happy to see that and listen yeah i mean yeah i don't want to see ozzy on stage like i feel bad for the guy i mean he's got parkinson's disease and yeah like, it's, it's 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 a bad look at this point it's not good for him it's, so best of luck in retirement, Oz. And Thank hopefully you. we get one more record if you have it in you. If not, we're good with what you gave us. We love you. <laughs> anyway, brother, I think it's about that time. Oh, we didn't talk about uh, Pamela oh, Anderson? Oh, that's the time I was talking about. 
Ammo. Booby time? <laughs> Anderson. Pam. Oh, that being said, Pamela Anderson has a brand new documentary on Netflix. And you and I both watched it. Yeah. Um, it's called, what, what is it called again, Jack? Pamela Anderson, A Love Story. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's called. Because she also has the memoir out that came out simultaneously. I mixed the titles up. I think that one's called Love Pamela, the book. But yeah, yeah I, I watched the, uh, yeah, Pamela, A Love Story. It's the documentary on Netflix. I loved it, man. It gave it a whole new perspective. It was, it was a pleasure to watch. One thing that I really, really took from it, I'm amazed at how well-spoken her, her children are with Tommy. You know, Brendan and um, Dylan, especially Brendan. Uh, Brandon, Brandon, I'm saying Brendan. Brandon Lee. I mean, he he co-produced it. And he's just such a, a, a well-spoken young man. Um, th I took That's the biggest thing I took from it. And especially being raised by Pam back then and Tommy, like the wild man. But the other big thing you and I were talking about prior to this episode that Pam talked about on the show, and it's really true, the sex tape, how it really destroyed her career. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, dude, I, I, I'm i with you. I thought it was well put together. And I actually felt bad for her because, you know, growing up, I, I mean, I, I, I remember that time vividly. Like, you know, I, I was a huge Baywatch fan. I was a diehard. I mean, I watched. I, I never watched Baywatch. I was, and I was, and I, I'll admit why. It was because of her. I mean, that. And the documentary actually did a good job, though, of like showing how she kind of just blew up. Like, you know, obviously she she went to that um, she went to that football game, and she was wearing that shirt, and they zoomed in. Or no, was it a football or soccer? I don't remember. Uh, it was in Canada, so she grew up in Canada. And she was wearing this shirt and they zoomed in on it and then it like they blew up and then Labatt Blue asked her to be their, you know, their, their, yeah, their poster yeah. child. So they yeah. put her on there and that's how she got the job with Playboy because someone in Hugh Hefter's camp was like, oh, my God, we got to get that girl. And then the rest was history because once she went Playboy, it was like, you know, she could do whatever she want. But like she was blowing up to the point where she was becoming like she would have had some good movie roles until that sex tape thing dropped. I mean, and that pretty much, you you can look at the timeline. Once that happened, it went like <laughs> this. She didn't have any kind of, she she was nobody in at that, from that point on. And well, the reason I'm being saying, is like, she could get was like the blonde bimbo roles. Yeah, it was like, uh, well, we'll just get her for that. And But I think she did paint a picture like of like how, you know, for a woman, it like totally destroyed her career, but look what it did for Tommy on the on the on the opposite spectrum. Yeah, because he was, he a, was rock a rock star and he's a guy, so he kind of got like he became like a god from it. So it's just I don't know, it's just crazy to me how that kind of just made both of their careers just go this way. Yeah, and I don't think you had the opportunity to watch Pam and Tommy on Hulu. I did, mm -hmm. and I know Pam has said she's never watched it. She won't even talk to the actors that reached out to her. That participated in it and another thing that really she brought up in the documentary on netflix how she was super upset how on the pam and tommy show they portrayed the stolen sex tape as like possibly being justified because that um the guy who stole it was supposedly an employee of tommy's doing work on the house and he stiffed him in money and she's saying that's a total fabrication it was like try to make the justification of stealing the tape yeah, yeah and they also I think a lot of people out there said that they did it purposely so that they they it it would blow them up. 
Because oh, that's oh, yeah, that they, they leaked it intentionally. They leaked yeah, exactly. it so that it would, you know, get their publicity out there. And then, you know, they talked about how that happened in pre, you know, other p- things happened that kind of stole from that playbook. But I, yeah. I, you know, listen, I agree. I think it was well put together. I think Pamela Anderson, like I said, I, I never had a problem with her. I mean, listen, like how many people have sex tapes? Just hers got leaked out. I mean, it's not like she's the only person that ever did that. I mean, I can't. The coolest like, thing I think about the the, the the documentary was how they showed her when she recently did the run in on Broadway in Chicago, and I actually yes. read reviews. She, she was phenomenal in it. Yeah, and I, I think it just shows her. you that she was willing to kind of tackle a fear because she's she what she, she said that she going into that she was scared and she didn't think she didn't know how she would be, and even her son said like that that was like a big thing like seeing how good of her relationship she has with her sons. Like, and you wonder how like the relationship is with her dad. Like I feel bad almost because it's probably not as good as it is with her. Oh, it's definitely not. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago when Brandon punched Tommy Lee and knocked him out. Yeah. I mean, yeah and there's actually, you could hear the nine one one tape if you go on. Well, Tommy's in that relationship with that uh, Brittany Furlon. She's like oh, yeah. one of those TikTok stars. I mean, Tommy's 60 years old. She's like 36 and she's like a typical millennial. Like she's doing like all kinds of TikTok videos. Come on, Tommy. Well, she's ba- I just saw an article that she bashed or she said something about Pamela that Anderson. Ham's so. trying to break them up. You know what I think of? It's another example of a great Vince Neil quote from the book The Dirt, when he said when they were when he was talking about how um he punched Tommy Lee in the airport and Tommy Lee years ago when they were when they broke up around the greatest greatest hits tour, like after Generation Swine. And uh, Vince got in a fight with Tommy at the airport and punched him. And Tommy said he got sucker punched. And Vince said, no, Tommy's just a sucker who got punched. <laughs> and then he said, you know, Tommy's like goes with every trend. You know, he said something about, you know, if rap is in, Tommy's a rapper. You know, if if uh, techno's in, Tommy's a DJ. He said, fuck, if Tommy had tits, he'd be a Spice Girl. <laughs> and you know what? It's true. It holds true. Tommy's. I know Vince true. gets a lot TikTok of the bad shit. Vince gets a lot of the bad publicity. Obviously, he killed the guy with the DUI, and you know he he made some very poor. Yeah, everybody made mistakes, but Vince well, is listen, a real guy. Vince is real, well, and that's my opinion. I think out of the whole band, like I, I I look at Tommy as being like the biggest one that like could have had more in his career and been a better person, a stand up person. And he just you know I don't know I just I, I, I just know. I don't know about he all always that. Tommy had a lot of success with his antics. I don't know if that's the proper well, take. Maybe what, I'm, what not I using, is, I'm not I, saying I think success. That, I think Tommy and Nikki. I think, like I said, I think Tommy follows every trend, and I think Nikki kind of like, like basically overhypes everything. And I think if you're going to talk about the one guy who just stays true to who he is, and probably takes the most heat, it's Vince. Like all you do is see these viral videos of Vince Neil, and they say how bad he's singing. You know what? Screw everybody that says that. He's out there, sixty years old. Uh, Doing what he loves, touring year round, even when crew's not doing anything. Vince is out there doing solo shows. You know, it seems like 200 nights a week. I mean, 200 nights a year and a 362 day year. He's out there 200 nights a year, it seems like, anyway, like constantly playing and touring, doing what he loves. So, you know what? Kudos to you, Vince. Anyway, let's move on, Jay. Let's get into these picks of the week. We were going to get into them. Let's do it. So, if you haven't noticed, the title of the episode is It's Five O'Clock Somewhere. And that's because we have a little theme with our picks of the week. And I guess it's fitting, right? It's Friday, happy hour. It's five o'clock somewhere. 
Super Bowl weekend. You know, people want to drink, party a little bit, but it's also relevant to what we're going to get into. So let's do our picks of the week. And our 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 running theme in tonight's picks of the week happens to be Slash, who we both love. So that being said, who do you want to go first? I'll go. So, All right, let's do it. Go. So this is a true fact. We didn't we didn't do this on purpose. We actually I called Aaron this today and I was like, this is my pick of the week. And he was like, oh, by the way, my pick is a slash too. Like <laughs> that, it's not like we scripted it. So I think it's pretty cool in in, in that aspect too. But I'm going to go. So I know I've been doing a lot of like newer music lately, like new releases and stuff. But I know when we started the picks of the week a long time ago, one thing that we wanted to to use it for was like to kind of bring up obscure type records. Well, this 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 album is obscure because I don't think the typical Slash fan would have ever even known it existed. But I saw this a couple years ago and I heard about it and he actually just recently did another one. And that so the album is actually for Universal Studios. They have the Universal Monster Monsters Legends Collide. It's basically a soundtrack that plays at this uh, at the theme park where they had like all the monsters like Dracula, <laughs> Monster Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah, I forget the name of the exact thing, but the name of the the soundtrack is Universal Monsters Legends Collide. And let me tell you. It's awesome, dude. Now listen, it's an instrumental. It's not there's no singing on it. So if you're if you're looking for that, you're not going to get that. But what it does to me is Slash has always been in my opinion, to me there's two types of guitarists. There's feels guitarists who play with feel and then there's your technical guitarist. Slash has always been the master of the feels. Like he's like to me it's like, you know, the Eric Clapton type player or you know, uh, Jimmy Page, they're, they're the guys that when they play, it's like, I don't know, it's just whatever they play, it just seems like it has like a different vibe that it gives off. And that's, what this, and that's what this does because it paints a picture. Like when I listen to the music right away, I'm like, I'm envisioning Dracula like on the screen and it's not even playing in front of me. I just hear the music, but you can actually envision what he's trying to come across with. And that's why I love Slash. So that's my pick of the week. I mean, I'm not going to go down track for track. There's a ton of track. I think there's 14 total tracks. There's there's six new ones, and then there's eight total from in, for previous years. Because I think he's done this now. This is the third time that he's done it. So um, don't quote me on that. But um, that's my pick of the week. You can find it on Amazon, Spotify. Check it out. I'm telling you guys, it's phenomenal. I shared it with Aaron earlier. He was shocked. And it's called Universal Monsters Maze Music by Slash. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Awesome pick of the week, Jay. Anyway, so mine is, just coincidentally, like I've been listening to a lot of Slash lately, and I always find myself going back to his first album um, with his Slash's Snake Pit outfit, which was It's 5 O'Clock Somewhere. Now, this album, I love it. it. It brings me back to a time, you know, like when I was still young and, you know, really being influenced and informed by my music you know i feel like as we get older we get more jaded and nothing ever seems the same as when we were kids that's why you always like you go back to the stuff you listened to when you were young right don't you feel like that like songs always bring you back to like like a moment when you were a kid and when you get older i feel like you have less of those experiences so my pick of the week is slash's first snake pit album it's five o'clock somewhere now if you don't know this album 
is composed mostly of material, mainly material that was meant for Guns N' Roses. The album came out, I guess it was 1994. Um, Guns was on hiatus, but they, they weren't broken up. Slash was still in the band, as was Duff. Uh, Matt, I believe, as well. Gilby might have just gotten fired. But long story short, they all play on the Snake Pit album. So the Snake Pit album, like the recording, is basically like Guns N' Roses without Axel. They had Eric Dover from Jellyfish was on vocals. He put on a tremendous vocal performance. Eric Dover's still doing stuff. You could check him out. Um, he's been he's been working for years since. You don't really hear about him if you're not a big fan of him at, outside of the Slash record. But dude, I mean, Duff played on the record. Matt Soren played on the record. Gilby Clark played on the record. Duff McKagan, Slash, Eric Dover was on the vocals. That wasn't the touring band, but they all played on the record. Um, unbelievable. Neither Can I opens it. Um, it's about suicide. Beggars and Hangers On is a great mid-tempo ballad. Back and Forth Again closes the album. It's an awesome, epic ballad. Another great song I love on the record is I Hate Everybody But You. I hate everybody but you. Anyway, awesome record. I mean, it really was, it has that sound of Guns N' Roses. Like in, like if what you would probably expect the next Guns N' Roses record to have sounded like after the Illusions and the Spaghetti Incident. With, few, with a, a few tinkers, obviously Axel would have had his input, but it had that sound to it. You know, and the story goes that when Slash brought all these tracks to Axel to work on the next Guns N' Roses record, Axel shunned it. You know, he thought it was just old hat. He thought it was like just classic rock sounding. Because if you recall, Axel had gone on that like Nine Inch Nails industrial music kick. Like, you know, you listen to the last track on Use Your Illusion 2, My World. That's kind of the direction Axel was going. And Axel with Guns N' Roses in quotes with his new Guns N' Roses, didn't release anything until that one-off track for that movie that came out. I guess it was in 1999, End of Days. Oh, my God, which actually had a Dave Navarro play some guitar on that, which I love the track, but it sounded nothing like Guns N' Roses. It was like, oh, it was industrial heavy. It was just a total different vibe. So obviously you could see where Axel was headed. And then we waited how many more years for Chinese democracy to come out. But long story short, if you're a fan of guns, like Slash has obviously had other records since, and they're awesome. But if you want the one Slash record to me that kind of encapsulates the sound of Guns N' Roses at that time and where they were going, what they would have been, the next record, had the band not broken up and imploded, check out Slash's Snake Pit. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. That's my pick of the week. Freaking awesome. Yeah, and I've been, you know, like I said, it's an old pick of the week. But, like, it's an album I always find myself going back to. And in the last, like, week or two, I don't know what it was. I've just been listening to it a lot. So, Dude, great minds think alike because I was listening to Slash, too. So There you go. Anyway, guys, we hope you enjoyed the show. Jay, I know you're pumped for your big game on Sunday. I wish you the best of luck. Um, good luck, brother. Until <laughs> next time, guys, shout out once more to our sponsors, Lots of Rain Watches. Make sure you check them out. Go to their website, www.lotterrain.com. Use our promo code SNM. That's the letters SNM, as in sports and metal. You're going to save 10% off your purchase. And also make sure you visit betus.com. Use our affiliate link, uh, bit.ly forward slash sports and metal. You're going to get 125% bonus on your first $100 deposit and free bets. Tell them sports and metal sent you. Until next time, this is Aaron Savage. That's Jason Voorhees. Rock on. Peace out. And that's our show. Tune in next time for more Sports and Metal. With Jason Voorhees and Aaron Savage.
Ooh, yeah. Got something to say? Hit us up at sportsandmetal0423 at yahoo.com or on Twitter at sports.